Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Bad Egg Podcast. Please note that these episodes contain content which includes murder and vulgar sexual content. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Bad Egg Podcast. I'm your host Bridget and today I'm going to be hosting solo. Unfortunately, Lucas is up in Connecticut. He's going to be on a yacht for a few weeks. So the next few stories will just be moi. So I hope that you enjoy the stories I have for you today. Uh, I do apologize that it's taken so long for this episode to come out. It's been quite a busy few days with the hurricane that has swept through Florida. If most of you know, I live on the East Coast, which didn't get the brunt of the storm. A lot of people on the West Coast did. We still were in a little bit of a gray zone as we weren't really sure how, what the extent of the damage would be. Luckily, it wasn't too serious, but a lot of people on the West Coast did get hit really hard. So, you know, I'm not always the person to say thoughts and prayers work, but if you're abroad, you know, just uh, keep them in your thoughts as it, a lot of houses got destroyed. So if anyone is listening that's from the west coast of Florida, if you need any help, reach out. Uh, the gym that I work for, we're going to be handing out donations. So contact us. That would be great. If you need any help, just let us know. Today I'm going to be talking about a murder that happened in Cape Town, South Africa, which started a movement amongst women across the country. The story I'm going to tell you today is about a young girl named Uyinene Mwetyana. Uyinene means God or He is Truth. She was born in April 20th. 2000 in East London. Her parents had a really risky pregnancy and they were told that Uyinene might be paralyzed at birth. And a miracle happened where she was born healthy, which is how she got her name. Her parents were a very Christian household and they believed that God had helped them have helped Uyinene have a healthy birth. She was the rock of the family. She attended Hudson Park Primary, where she was head of the student council, and she was awarded Hudsonian of the Year. After that, she went to Kingswood College, and she graduated in 2018. Unfortunately, after she passed away, she won the Neil Eggert Memorial Award in 2020. At the time of her murder, she was in Cape Town studying film and media at the University of Cape Town in Claremont. She had a love for fashion, which is why on this particular day, she was headed to the post office to see if her package had arrived. On this day, it was the 24th of August, 2019. This was quite recent then. It was a Saturday. Nene had gone out to run a few errands. And as I mentioned before, she was waiting on a package which had arrived at the post office in Clarence, Claremont. Here's a fun fact. I used to actually live in this area and I I lived really close to this particular area. 
the University of Cape Town is just up the road. So this area houses a lot of students. It is one of those upcoming, a lot of fun areas, a lot of pubs, a lot of activities go on all the time. And it's definitely a student town. It's absolutely beautiful. It's just on the just on the one slope of the Table Mountain. It's absolutely gorgeous. One of the one of the prettiest places I've lived in. Which is kind of sad that it happened there. This was the last place she was seen. She was seen getting out of a taxi, which as we've discussed is the public transportation in South Africa. She was seen getting out of a taxi a few minutes before and headed into the post office. And she'd mentioned to a few people that this is where she was going. At least it was one of the routes on her on her way. After a few hours, her brother started to get really worried as he hadn't heard from her. And this was exceptionally unusual. Nene wasn't the type to not contact her parents, to not reach out. So the fact that her brother hadn't heard from her, he found it exceptionally strange. And as the day went on, he realized that she wasn't even in her dorm room. So he started to panic. And at this point, Isanya, that's his name, he contacted the police to report his sister missing. And still, no one could reach or find her. After 48 hours of Nene missing and no updates, her parents flew down to Cape Town. They were still in East London at the time, and it's about a two-hour flight. So they flew down to Cape Town to help her son look for her. I think it was a similar situation, and this isn't, I say, it's, I think this is not factual, but it happens a lot in the States here where, especially if someone young goes missing, if, if you need at least 48 hours to report them, which I think is, I can understand a certain amount of logic behind that. However, if you have multiple family members, people who are exceptionally close to the person telling you that this is out of character, I really feel it should be listened to. We, we could probably solve a lot more missing, missing cases if people just listened that it was out of character. So after 48 hours of still no word, Nene's mother insisted on going to the post office and speaking to the last person that helped her. And she refused to leave. She stood there just asking, I want to talk to the last person that served her. It's all I want. Just, just talk to me. I just want to know what happened. I just want to know what you saw. Where did she go next? Just please, the last person, talk to me. After a while, a man raised his hand and said, I was the last person to serve her. This man was Luyanda Bota. On the day of August 24th, 2019, Nene had arrived at the post office in the morning. Luyanda was the man who served her, and he told her that her package had not arrived yet and that he also couldn't process the payments. Nene had arrived at the post office that morning, and Luyanda was the man to serve her that day. At the time when she arrived, even though her parcel was there waiting for her, he told her he was unable to run her transaction as the power was out. Now, this is not uncommon in South Africa. We have something called load shedding, and 
it's really bad. But every few hours, different uh, blocks will get turned off for a few hours to accommodate everybody else who uses power. We have a, a really big company called ESCOM, and unfortunately, there is too too much power is required for what it can provide. So what happens is certain grids will be shut off at certain hours to accommodate other people, and everyone gets a time sheet as to when the power will go out. I know most of you are kind of mind blown at this, but it's something very normal for us, not to say that we accept it or like it, but it is something we've grown accustomed to. So her being told that the power was out and that she was unable to process the transaction wasn't probably seen as out of the ordinary. So Luyanda told her to come back later in the day and then he insisted, you know what, give me your phone number. The minute the power comes back on, I'll give you a call and you can come back, we can process the payment and you can take your package home. Nene saw nothing wrong with this. She gave her phone number and went on her way to do the rest of the errands that she had for that day. Around one o'clock, maybe just before one, Luyanda convinced a co-worker of his to leave early so that he, and he, he said that he could lock up the post office by himself. The post office also closes at 1 p.m. on a Saturday. After his co-worker left, at this point, he called Nene, and he told her that her parcel was ready and that the power was back on and she can come back and she can pay for it. Nene arrived shortly after 2 p.m. at the post office, unaware that the building was actually closed. Luyanda was there waiting for her. She went into the post office and he locked the door behind her. It was at this point that he started making sexual advances towards Nene. She fought back. She made it very difficult. And unfortunately, he did manage to rape her twice and attempted to strangle her. Nene fought back. She screamed. She kicked. And at this point, Luyanda took a post office scale, which weighed about two kilograms, so 4.4 pounds, and he bludgeoned her to death. After this, he placed her in a large safe and he left her there overnight. He returned the next day to collect her and he drove her out to Kailicha. Kailicha is about a 40 minute drive from Cape Town and it's one of the outskirts uh, just on the outskirts of Cape Town, this particular town was used during apartheid and a lot of people still live in this particular area, very similar to how it's difficult to move out of certain areas in America, even after se uh, your segregation was over. It's still very difficult for people in South Africa. And this is where Luyanda had lived and he drove her out. Uh, drove him out there. At this point, he dumped her body. He doused her in petrol or gas and set her alight. And then he attempted to bury her in a shallow grave. This was the story after Nene's mom had persuaded him to talk. This was the story he told her and the police. Her body was found 
actually on August 26th, the day that Nene's parents had flown out to Cape Town. So they had, they had found it that day, but they were unable to identify it. And after his confession, they were able to identify that this was, this was her body about nine days later. During this time, when people were uncertain as to where her body was, they had a movement which was called hashtag bring Nene home. And unfortunately, the nine days later when they found out it was her body, Leander was sentenced, I think a few months later, to serve three life sentences in jail. This particular murder was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back back home. Unfortunately, back home, there, South Africa struggles a lot with gender-based violence and fem- femicide. So just to give you a few stats, more than half of all women murdered, which is 56% in 2009, were killed by an intimate male partner. Between 25% and 40% of South African women have experienced sexual and or physical IPV in their lifetime. Just under 50% of women report having ever experienced emotional or economic abuse at the hands of their intimate partners in their lifetime. Prevalence estimates a rape in South Africa range between 12% and 28% of women ever reporting being raped in their lifetime. Between 28 and 30% of adult men report having raped a woman. Non-partner sexual violence is particularly common, but reporting it to the police is very low. One study found that 1 in 13 women in Gauteng had reported non-partner rape and only 1 in 25 rapes had been reported to the police. We also have a high prevalence of gang rape. Most men who rape do so for the first time as teenagers and almost all men who ever rape do so by their mid-twenties. There is limited research into rape targeting women who have sex with women. One study across four South African countries, including South Africa, found that 31.1% of women reported having experienced forced sex. Male victims of rape are another understudied group. One uh, survey in KwaZulu-Natal and the Eastern Cape found that 9.6% of men reported having experienced sexual victimization by another man. Between April and June of 2022, 9,516 rape cases were opened with the police force. 3,780 of the rapes took place in the homes of the rapists or homes of the victims. 1,446 people were raped in public places such as streets, parks, and beaches. Public transportation such as buses, taxis, and trains are third most likely places for rapes to occur. And in that number of rape, when we look at the rape prosecutions, between April and June, only 286 rapists were convicted through investigative work. This, this, so out of the 286 rape convictions, only 46 of the rapists were sentenced to life behind bars. That's not even 1%. It's, it's, 
it's kind of crazy. Violent crimes committed against women between April and June in 2022 recorded alarmingly high and unacceptable levels. From April to June 2022, 855 women and 243 children were killed in South Africa. Over 11,000 assault gender-based homicide cases with female victims were opened with the police. 1,670 include children. Police are investigating attempted murder dockets of over 1,400 women and children who escaped death. 19 child murders took place at the institutions of learning, and this includes daycare facilities, primary, high school, and tertiary institutions. This is just... This is just the tip of the iceberg when we look at all the statistics that run through South Africa. So at the moment, we're fighting. We're fighting for women to be heard. We're fighting for women to be safe. And after Uyinene was murdered the way she was, people in South Africa took to the streets. And in the beginning of September, tens of thousands of South Africans took part in a large-scale protest with a new movement called hashtag am I next. Nene was described as funny and brave. She kept the rest of her family in line. She stood out from the crowd. She was bubbly, kind and caring. She was also forthright and vocal and she spoke up against patriarchal oppression and gender-based violence. Because of that, a foundation was founded after her, the Uyinene Metwana Foundation, whose main aim is to empower young people to stand up against violence. If you would like to contribute to this incredible foundation, I'll have the link set up in the show notes. This One of the reasons I decided to start doing this podcast is because South Africa's struggles was one of the highest gender-based violence and femicide statistics in the world. More women and children are killed in South Africa than, I think it's number, I'll need to double check, but compared to 136 countries, we're one of the worst. This movement has started and each year another murder is added onto this. If anyone feels unsafe, speak up. If something feels wrong, speak up. Trust your gut. I know it sounds harsh, you know, most of the time we just want to believe that people have good intentions, but sometimes, like in this unfortunate case, some people don't. Luanda Borta admitted to the police that when he saw her walk in that morning and when he took her number, he had planned to make sure that he was alone with her when she came to pick up her parcel. Be safe, friends. Just if anything feels wrong, don't feel don't feel bad for sticking up for yourself. Don't feel bad for saying you, you feel uncomfortable. Rather make sure you're safe. So that's the podcast for today. This one always makes me really sad as she had a bright future ahead of her and someone selfish, beyond selfish, decided to take it away just because he wanted a few minutes of pleasure. 
So, as I said, he was sentenced to three life sentences, but he's one of the small percentages that actually get put away for violent crimes like this. So, in the meantime, don't be a bad egg, guys. Be safe. Speak up. Don't be afraid to use your voice. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.